Greetings, podcast listeners. This is Grayson, the music ed rep from Fuller's Music, and I'd like to welcome you to the 11th episode of the Fuller's Music Podcast. In this episode, music education coordinator Perry Ditch has a discussion via Zoom with an amazing educator from Red Oak Middle School in Battleboro, North Carolina, Ms. Christina Rikibi. Christina co-teaches with Mark Stauffer, who has been the headband director at Red Oak for more than 20 years. Christina describes how planning and communication with administration, students, and parents have been the pillars of her success within her program. She also highlights some interesting ideas pertaining to the instructional strategies that kept her students engaged. We hope you find this episode useful and that it helps you prepare to go back to school, however that may be. Well, thank you, Grayson. Uh, We're really excited about this episode. Uh, We know that in these unsettling times, um, we're all trying to figure out uh, what to do in our situation, whether we're going to be a hybrid situation or we're going to be uh, teaching virtually with our students. And uh, we just want to, again, offer you an encouraging podcast. We're excited about our guest today, and I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, well, thank you. Um, my name is Christina Rakibi. Um, I teach at Red Oak Middle School in uh, Rocky Mount, North Carolina. I'm currently at my fifth year there teaching general music and band. Um, I've been teaching at Red Oak and assisting at Northern Ash High School. We have a pretty good connection there. Um, I went to school at East Carolina University, studied music education, psychology, uh, play bassoon teach private lessons and play locally. And uh, that's kind of my musical story, I suppose. <laughs> well, Christina, you, you've done a lot in uh, five years and your, your program and you are very well respected. Uh, I think even uh, you, you take care of some of our district duties here in Eastern North Carolina, is that correct? Uh, yes, uh, I serve as one of the chairpersons for our uh, Eastern District for the North Carolina Bandmasters Association. And uh, this uh, past year, we switched to doing it as a North and South site. So doing middle school, high school, MPA. And so that's that's been uh, fun, really cool getting to meet all the band directors around Eastern North Carolina has been, it's been nice. Well, we definitely appreciate your service to the district as well as to your students at your school. So, um, Tell us a little bit more about Red Oak Middle School, kind of kind of the makeup of the student body, just so our listeners kind of have an idea of, um, of, of your school. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, so uh, Red Oak Middle School is a Title I school. Uh, we're fairly rural, but it's, it's probably the, I would say the most socioeconomically balanced middle school we have in Nash County. Um, that there's there's um, a, a mix there. Um, in total, we have 900 students, which I think is the largest middle school in Nash County, um, and about 200 of them are in our band program, um, give or take um, a few. Um, and then with uh, the band program, I actually co-teach um, with Mark Stoffer, uh, who's uh, actually been there since the school opened about 20 years ago. Um, so it's been really awesome being able to teach with a veteran teacher and, and uh, work with him um, pretty tightly. Uh, we, for our beginners, we split. Um, he teaches woodwinds and I'll teach brass percussion. And then with seventh and eighth grade, 
um, we co-teach and just bounce back and forth and come up with like creative ways to divide students based on need or or whatever we're we're working on. I, I think that's excellent. And uh, again, Red Oak is is well known throughout our state and district in North Carolina as being a fine program with some fine directors. So, Christina, I'm going to take us back into uh, maybe the month of March last year in mm -hmm. North Carolina. The governor, um, I don't like to say he shut down schools because schools didn't close. They just moved from face-to-face, uh, -face, in-person learning to a virtual setting. And um, I, I just kind of want to go back to that time and you kind of walk us through your thought process uh, of, of how you arrived at what you were going to try and do. Oh, well, <laughs> um... Uh, I'm definitely a planner. So a lot of in the beginning stages was uh, what are they going to do? And it was kind of this back and forth of, you know, nobody really knowing what the right answer was. Um, so there was a little anxiety there of just not knowing what was going to happen, especially I think um, the statewide uh, closure of brick and mortar, as they're saying, um, happened the week before our Eastern District MPA. Um, and so not only was I trying to figure out what we were going to do with our students because they had just set, shut down travel, but they hadn't officially said that they were going to shut down school yet. So it's like, okay, let's come up with some creative ways to get our kids to perform and, and that sort of thing. And then it was like within 12 hours, they're like, nope, everybody's staying home for two weeks. Um, so that was a little bit of some whiplash figuring out like, okay, my kids, okay, this event. Um, and so... Uh, it was kind of rolling with the with the punches, I guess. Um, and so then it was kind of that grace period, I think, for about a week where administration was scrambling also, like they didn't know what to tell us as far as expectations. Um, and so I think the number one thing was communication with our students, um, making sure that you know they were feeling okay that they knew that they could contact us if they needed anything um and so i think that was uh personally like my number one priority was making sure that i could find a way to communicate with all our families within that um first week and a half um of what was going on so communication and planning uh, from the onset uh was was kind of the the focus uh what type of a uh, virtual platform uh, did you use, or are you using? Uh, so uh, we had, e even before um, the virtual learning had started, we had used Google Classroom uh, pretty heavily in, in our classes as far as um, for student submissions. Um, in our seventh grade program, uh, we have what we call a uh, standard of excellence program where students work through different levels. Um, they're passing off songs and it's kind of a, um, way for us to differentiate instruction so kids who like are gnawing at the bit can start moving faster. Um, and so they had already been pretty comfortable using Google Classroom to send us videos to pass off things. Um, and so we just continued using that uh, to give instruction and assign assignments and that sort of thing. Um, so they were pretty familiar with that. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's a great platform, and it's also really good that, that you had already kind of started some of this hybrid technology uh, before then, so the students were familiar with how to submit um, 
assignments and stuff in Google Classroom. So I understand that eventually this evolved into some type of a private lesson instruction. Can you kind of walk us through how you started that and then uh, kind of the structure of it? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, one thing that I know our students really love and is really rich at Red Oak is our after school culture. Um, kids love staying after school. They, they fight for uh, attention like our like individual attention after school. And um, it's also been like a social thing. So I knew that was one thing immediately that a lot of our really dedicated kids were gonna miss out on. Um, and when our administration uh, said the expectations were going to be for you to have at least two office hours each day to communicate with kids um, and that the primary expectation was to make sure you make contact with families at least once a week, um, whether it was call, email, some sort of uh, contact with them. And at first it was a little overwhelming thinking of making like 150, 200 phone calls um, each week. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I spend a lot of time giving written feedback on the videos that they would submit even before um, COVID. And there are so many times that I wish, oh, if I could just like have them right here to tell them and have them play the things that I'm typing right here and make sure that they're understanding what I'm writing, um, that would be fantastic. And so since we were given permission to have office hours, I asked my administration, hey, like, what is the policy on sort of one-in-one -in -one instruction? And they said, as long as, you know, we have the link to whatever platform you're using to video conference or have some sort of communication with the parents, like, go for it. We're fine with it. Um, and so uh, I had uh, office hours first thing in the morning and then at the end of, I guess, the typical workday. And then throughout there, I started offering kids, just at first kids who wanted to sign up for 30 minute lessons. Um, they were actually used to only 10 minute windows in our after school time. Um, so they were really excited to get some, some more individual instruction um, on the private lesson end of things. And so, um, I started getting more kids that were like really hungry for some sort of interaction communication um, and expanded that to various sectionals. Cause you know, there were some kids that uh, were a little skittish, but asked, Hey, can my friend join me for my private lesson? And I'm like, yeah, why not? That's fine. And, and we can, we can talk about some of the same things together. Um, and so probably right after spring break, was when I started thinking, okay, let's figure out a way that we can uh, encourage all of my students to take advantage of this or all of my students to kind of convince them, hey, like this is something you need. Um, and so there was an expectation that uh, in some way they had to meet with me face-to-face, -face, um, whether it was with the office hours in the group lessons or in individual lessons. Um, and then there was like a, an attendance grade within a two week window. If they attended, um, then they got cute little check mark for it. <laughs> well, uh, that sounds that sounds fantastic. And and um, you know, some some directors uh, do not feel like uh, students can kind of grow uh, as a musician uh, or even a performer in this type of setting. And and I know that the face to face in front of each other in person is really the ultimate, but what was, 
what was their growth like uh, through this um, session that you were talking about? Uh, it was it was really nice because you know at first I was especially with sixth grade I was really worried with doing um, virtual with sixth grade because you know there there's certain things that you know as far as like tone quality hearing through uh, my speakers through their Google Chrome book mics and and that sort of thing um, but I was able to hear the nuance and improvements even through like uh the the poor audio quality at times um and and it was you could tell that they were excited to have any sort of face time was telling uh, to improve as opposed to either a check mark or just saying yeah thanks for sending it in um, had some kids say like, yeah, okay, uh, when can I sign up for the next one? Um, and it, it was, it was cool to see because that was the only time I was seeing them as well to see the improvement from like this Tuesday to the next Tuesday. And in oftentimes with, I keep thinking back to sixth grade students that I had like frequent, uh, lessons with where a lot of times that I only really see them in class and it's in a large group setting and they're really involved with athletics. So they don't really get the chance to come and see me one-on-one -on -one after school or before school. Um, and so it was really nice to be able to track that. And I, and I took notes on each lesson just to remind me, you know, with the next rotation, what we were working on and what the kids were expecting. And then um, with the private lessons, I found that, students who hadn't been responding or submitting assignments before, after they got that real-time feedback, they were far more likely to feel confident in submitting things and um, feeling like, oh, like Mr. KB is the only one watching this. She's not going to judge me. She, she knows what I'm working on. She's heard me play this, you know, because uh, often with middle school kids are like, oh, oh, but I, I promise I played it better at home, you know? Um, and so, well, you're at home right now. Why don't you play it for me? You know, um, so the, that that was kind of I, I got a, a a different window into the way the kids learn too. So it, it was it was very cool. And to be honest, that was the highlight of my virtual learning. Um, I had joked with some other uh, colleagues that there were times, you know, I felt like a customer service rep, um, <laughs> constantly having to, you know, and call and and kind of help with. IT stuff and but but like those private lesson moments were the times that like you know I, I got to teach again I got to go back to this is the whole reason I'm doing this um, so that was that really helped mental health wise too to to be able to to do that. Well, I'm I'm sitting here and and I'm super inspired already and uh, a couple of things that I, I took away from from your your talk and that is just how important it is to have that one-to-one -one connection with students and in our large ensembles. I, I know we try and do that, but often that connection comes, uh, like you said, after school or in between classes or in a lunch break, or you're taking a trip with them and you're talking to them on buses and stuff like that. But um, the fact that you were able to give one-on-one -on -one instruction with the, the student uh, created even a, a, a bigger uh, connection, which I believe 
once you do have that in 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 person learning coming back, Christina, you're gonna you're gonna this is gonna be payday, you know, because you're gonna <laughs> look at that child and you're gonna know exactly what they've been struggling with, and they know, and it collectively your ensemble is going to be even stronger. Um, I, I think um, that other people that are listening uh, to this might be in, inspired to do it, and they're they're probably thinking, um, I don't I don't know if I have the time and all, but it sounded like it was it was a, a every two week rotation. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, uh, because. Uh with the need to make uh, phone calls, if I could have it my way, like I would only be teaching 30 minute private lessons the entire time, but obviously like that's not practical. And, you know, in, in, in the span of things, that's not really um, what I'm here to do, I suppose. Um, but uh, spreading it out across two weeks made it easier for me to also reach out to kids who I hadn't heard anything from and said, hey, there are only like 15 slots left. Like you need to be sure that, yeah, I see you at some point, really miss you. Um, and so uh, moving forward to um, this year, um, trying to map out uh, a schedule ahead of time where the kids can see those time slots. Um, they already have an expectation from the very beginning that that's going to be part of our curriculum, part of our, our way of doing class. Um, and uh, obviously depending on the way our administration sees to reformat the way we do virtual learning, um, I don't know if I'll get the opportunity to have the full school day to. Um, I'm hoping I still can. I, I think that would be really good for the kids to have that flexibility, especially with being at home. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I think that's good. And I'm sure the students are looking forward to it because as you had mentioned, once they started into it and they felt the growth and they felt like, hey, I can get better and you're helping me. And, you know, they were more engaged into it. And so I, I have a feeling that when you do start off in this, uh, they're going to be signing up and they're going to be requesting more time. So were, were the average, um, what was the amount of time for each lesson about? Uh, so on my schedule, I put 30 minutes. Um, and so that was the window um, where that would end up being the least amount of time. Uh, as a typical band director, you know, I'm quite verbose. And, you know, if I didn't have anything afterwards, I would go, hey, you still want to stick around? Like, there's these things. And they're like, yeah, sure. Got nothing better to do right now. I finished all my math work or something. Um, and so there were times where, you know, a lesson would bleed into a sectional and and um, I would, uh, as, as much time as I could give them, I tried to. Um, but when I had back-to-back -back lessons, um, typically earlier in the week, um, it was that 30 minute window that was like, okay, uh, do you feel like we would try to tackle one concept um, in those 30 minutes and then transition, hey, this is what you need to get better by the next time that you've signed up. Um, and so giving them goals to focus on. Um, and that was, it was also very telling of, you know, my teaching patterns as well. Um, and kind of seeing what sort of things do I gravitate to when I'm listening to a child and um, being able to efficiently give back that feedback in that 30 minute amount of time. Um, that, 
kind of towards the end here of our, our podcast, um, there, there are teachers that are going to, this was at the end of the year, now we're at the beginning of the year, and there are some teachers that are going to have to start their beginners virtually and, um, you know, take into somewhat of what you've learned uh, by that one-on-one thing, and you, and you mentioned the sixth graders often, um, maybe that's where you saw a lot of that excitement and growth from. Um, but do you have any ideas for that, um, utilizing this system maybe for the beginners at the very beginning? Yeah, uh, I, I think for uh, probably almost every middle school director, that's like the thing that's forefront on our mind. Um, and so, you know, I've gone back and forth playing with different ideas. Um, I think what I've kind of settled on and I'm probably going to change it in like two weeks Um, but right now the plan is is to have some instructional videos and kind of in a flip grid type system um, to say here this is what I'm doing with putting the instrument together holding and immediately record yourself following my steps Um, and then having group sectionals at first um, so the kids, because at, at this point, they don't know me, they don't know who I am, I can try and send as many like quirky and, and charismatic videos as and uh, as I can to get them to know me a little bit better. And I'm, I'm hoping that'll work. Um, uh, and so they can start feeling more comfortable. Um, and hopefully from there, they'll feel more comfortable to be on a one-on-one setting. Um, there, there's again, it goes back to that I need to figure out how to create a relationship with those kids. Um, and so I think with the video lessons, it's I, I'm going to start with a group setting and then whittle it down to one-on-one as they feel more comfortable just knowing who their peers are, who I am, um, and me getting to know them and what sort of comfortable with too. I think I think that's a, a great idea. I, there's always in, in virtual teaching, there's the asynchronous versus synchronous debate. And I think uh, for that beginner, uh, the the synchronous uh, to develop those relationships and let them get to see you and 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 then show the asynchronous videos, like you said, so that they have some idea. Uh, I know I know we published a document that I, I think is going to be on our district website that has some links to some of those very videos that you were talking about assembling, how do you take it out of the case and, and so forth. Uh, but I, I like your approach of, of getting that social and getting to know them and getting them to feel comfortable and then move them into a, a single one-on-one session. Um, I, I, I am looking forward uh, to, to seeing and hearing about all this uh, in the next several weeks and months and everything as we start to come together as a district, I think in the next couple of weeks uh, to put ideas together and stuff. Uh, but for our listeners, I want you to know we are located in uh, Newborn, North Carolina, um, and we uh, are in Eastern North Carolina. And Christina is also within our district and our, our Eastern district goes from the Virginia border uh, over to I-95, all the way down to Wilmington. So it's a very large geographic uh, area. So Christina, um, any last words of encouragement uh, for the teachers as we start uh, a new year and a new way? And I always say this is a bridge to normal, you know, so we're all on these little bridges and eventually we'll be back to normal. 
So any words of encouragement? I like that bridge bridge to normal. Um, I, I think the main thing is to, to focus on why you decided to be a band director, why you decided, and, and more specifically than band director, a music educator, um, and, and let that kind of lead you and that the music education of students is our focus and it's not going to look the way that it has, you know, for as long as we've known. Um, but as long as you focus on the music education of students, um, I think you'll make the right decisions. Well, thank you, Christina. That's been, it's been very inspiring to talk to you. And I know our listeners are also going to be equally inspired. And uh, can you give them your, your email in case they have any questions? Oh, sure. Um, my, uh, my school email is cd, as in dog, rikabi, my last name, at ncpschools, with an s at the end, dot net. Um, and I'd love to answer any questions or uh, brainstorm any ideas that, that you guys have that might relate to you know, some of the things I've talked about. Well, that's that's great, Christina. Again, we are we're on a bridge to normal. Um, and this is we're going to try and have a couple of uh, podcast episodes in the next several weeks to help people, whether they're on the virtual bridge or the hybrid bridge. But eventually uh, we will all get off that bridge and be back into normal. We'll be we'll be having other discussions. But it's so encouraging, Christina, to hear your story. Uh, thank you for for all you're doing for your students in music education and also regionally in our district. Um, your, your service is greatly appreciated. So I'm going to turn it back over to uh, Grayson. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of our listeners and hope all of you are finding our content helpful. Check us out on the web at www.fullersmusic.com on Facebook and Instagram.